Welcome to season four. This uh, season, we're talking about, are you ready for these trends? And we're in episode four. Um, I'm Mary Abizi, and I'm uh, I'm fortunate to have Tom Spitali and Sean Wellen with me. Hello, hello guys. Hello. Hey, Mary. everybody. All right. So, um, you know, we've been focusing on trends and, and how to prepare for them and watch out for these trends that may be lurking around the corners. Um, and we see this a lot, especially with our B2B clients, where there are some companies that are really taking advantage of them and others that are kind of just standing there like a deer in the headlights. So uh, that's why this seems so relevant to addressing, especially what we call mega trends. So um, Tom, um, originally, Sean had told us that the trends were factors outside of the company's control, but yet it impacts the business, so we have to deal with it. So, Tom, what is it um, that we're doing this time? Today, we want to talk about the trend of personalization, which simply defined is a company's ability to interact with individual customers, clients, businesses, and then change something about the way that they deliver their product, their service, or their information. Um, this is a huge trend because for some years now, the advent of systems and databases and, and CRM programs and interactive websites have been allowing a company to arm their personnel or their technology with the ability to personalize interactions. What's growing is the kinds of technologies that are allowing companies to actually modify products, physical products, to change those for individual customers and clients. So we think that this is far more than the misguided notion that it's a business-to-consumer concept. We think personalization is a huge opportunity for business-to-business -business organizations, but requires some creative thinking and some tools. So that's what we want to talk about today. Interesting. We hear, you know, a lot of times the market of me, doesn't that kind of fit with the market of me as well? Kind of the flip side of it, personalization gets to that. Yeah, I think that's right, Mary. I mean, it's not just a technology-driven uh, phenomena. Um, market of me, what we've heard about that term is that it's the expectation of individuals that companies will treat them as an individual. It's companies will understand and remember certain key aspects of their wants, needs, and preferences and do something about it. Now, whether that's been driven by technology's availability um, to do so or um, the expectations of the customer, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, but it's certainly growing on both sides, changing expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Sean? You know, I had a, well, I, I used to work with a, a business that was an advertising agency and they had this um, little slogan, if you like, little positioning that said, it's not B2C and B2B, it's, it's, it's business to person, you know, just emphasizing that there's very little difference at the human level between individuals receiving messages in their professional capacity and individuals receiving messages in a more personal capacity. And I always thought that was quite interesting. Um, it was a few years ago, but it resonated with me because I think the lines are blurred. You know, we don't suddenly become different people when we go to work. And the sort of 
things that we've been spoiled with, whether it's an Amazon recommendation or Netflix telling me that I'm going to enjoy this movie or all the stuff that seems to demonstrate a depth of knowledge about me as an individual, you sort of expect it. And as the generations move on, it's going to become a, a, a a ticket to ride you know so i think it's interesting that that we we're seeing it as a, as a trend now i think it's one of those trends that that's that's always been there but is now massively enabled with technology and that's what makes it something that businesses need to focus on yeah i i was looking up some statistics and some of these are actually almost comical but um, about 63% of people in this one study were highly annoyed by the way that brands continue to rely on old-fashioned strategies of blasting kind of generic ad you know, messages to them, which makes sense. And then this is kind of funny. 63% um, said that they think uh, more positively of a brand if it gave them content that was valuable and interesting or relevant. I frankly think that 37% of those people that didn't answer that are lying because there is no one that doesn't want irrelevant stuff given to them. So that's why it ties so nicely. That's a bold move, Mary. It's like, I'm listening to you, and here's what I think. I think you're lying, basically. But no, I, I tend to agree. People undercall it, don't they? And if you think about it, you know, when I, I was a rep back in the day, back in the, the uh, um, 80s and 90s, and what distinguished a really good rep was essentially this element of personalization. You know, you knew your clients and the more you knew about them, the more you could with confidence say, oh, Bill, Bill will love this product or he'll love the fact that this product does this. So I'm going to emphasize that when I speak to Bill. And you had that inherent knowledge. And of course, we still have that. Many B2B businesses have a sales force and that's still got to be core to a personalization strategy is actually having the opportunity to get to know people but of course these days it's not about only about the face-to-face -face interactions it's about what you can glean from what the business is putting out on its own social media for example the sort of articles a business is liking or commenting on on linkedin all these are little insights that say they must be thinking about this particular issue and therefore, if we have a solution or something that will help them in that endeavor, it gives us that personalization. So it's really just put the, the old-fashioned good rep who could, who could listen and put that on steroids, basically. And yeah. that's where the, the lines get blurred, you know, between sales and marketing and, and just general business operations. Well, I think that you, um, you hit on it right. Um, the salespeople, good salespeople have done this since the beginning of time. But the companies that are um, best at doing this provide a system, the marketers, finance. I mean, you can be great at personalizing and then have something in accounting that just messes up the whole relationship. So really, it is an enterprise-wide endeavor when you are going to really do this for real and enable the salespeople to do what they need to do all the way through all the different functions. And, you know, I have a bias that I think when you start with segmentation, you can get to that faster than, you know, a lot of other ways that companies are, are trying to do it. Tom, what do you think? Um, Mary, that's you use the word system. And that's what I think segmentation is and segmentation's role in personalization. Because to really personalize it, there does need to be a system of, of shared information that either, well, I shouldn't say either, it should do both of these things. It should remember um, individual preferences and needs, things that we've uncovered about a customer and share it with other functions. But also, you know, 
we may move too fast through this whole thing about uh, sales because yeah, the good salespeople do it, but there's huge turnover in sales organizations. And if a company hasn't stored the key details about a customer, when that salesperson leaves, which happens a lot, I said that twice, but it does, you know, the new, the, 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 the subsequent interactions can either pick up where they left off with the previous salesperson, or they have to start all over again. Now, what segmentation's role in that? Well, if at least we have done the process of segmenting and tagging that customer's record so we know what segment they're in, that's a semi-personalized, um, if not significantly personalized uh, clue right there that allows us to kind of pick up the conversation where it last left off, no matter who is interacting with the customer. Yeah, it's not relying on having individuals carrying it around in their head, is it, anymore? That's that's how it used to be. It's like, we must ask Sean what he thinks about so-and-so because he's pretty close to them. You've got to have that institutionalized and systematized so it, it exists as part of your, your assets. And arguably, a really important and powerful asset that probably isn't nurtured enough. That 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 depth of knowledge that you have on the personalization is a is a massive game changer, more so than any product attribute possibly would ever be. Yeah. Do either of you guys have a good example of a B2B um, personalizing with a system of some, some type? I, I've got a, uh, one that I, I've, I read about recently that I thought was pretty cool because it, it recognized the inherent complexity of a B2B relationship and still you know, uses technology to personalize an offer, which I think is the hardest thing is that core product is to, you know, to, 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 to actually kind of customize the core product or, or, or the things that surround the core product. Uh, I, I heard of a European food distributor who basically collects um, information about its clients, which is grocery stores, as to how they are currently merchandising uh, the the, the products in their store and packing the pallets <laughs> in the same order as the company is merchandising it. So the person that's unpacking the pallet just moves right down the line. Now that's, that's pretty significant information. You know, it's obviously something that delights the, 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 the grocery merchandiser in the grocery store because it affects their metrics and their, their efficiency. But the thing that's kind of solidifying about that relationship and the reason it's worth it, I think, on the food distributor, food wholesalers side is that it allows them to justify maybe a slightly higher price and kind of eliminates the fact that they're going to be price shopped as aggressively because the new food distributor that the grocery store works with, if they fire this one, is going to have to learn a whole bunch of stuff that the incumbent already knows. And so, so this can be really the power of personalization is if you not only remember key things about a client, but you actually add to that knowledge base over time such that ultimately the, the, the customer goes, wow, if I leave this company uh, and, and try to find somebody new, I'm going to have to reteach them a whole lot. I don't know if I have the time or energy to do that. I think also it's, it's, it's about, you know, there's another word that's important here, which is relevancy. That, that's the key to this. We, we talk of personalization, which, of course, is, is key. The more we understand someone's needs, the more we can tailor 
whatever we're offering to meet those needs, or at least emphasize elements of our offer that meet those needs. But it's also about relevancy. Your personalization also means hitting at the right time. So as if you have an offer, I, I worked with a business once and they, they had a, a, an onboarding software 360 meet the, meet the new employee sort of um, offering. And they quite simply targeted people that had recently been hiring for senior positions, which is fairly public knowledge. And just by changing their approach, rather than a broadcast to everyone who might need their services, specifically looking at people that had a relevancy at that time, they had a much more efficient sales pipeline stroke marketing process. So, so the relevancy is a big part of this too. It's finding out when when they might need what it is you're offering as well as what their preferences are. And that, to me, comes under that same bubble. Hey, Sean, I think it's kind of like a one-two punch, really, because I think the relevancy, demonstrating the relevancy kind of opens the door to deeper personalization, right? You know, there's a lot of – one of the reasons that personalization – when in its infancy was was difficult to do is a lot of people had privacy concerns. Okay, I don't want to share my information with you. Why should I share my 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 information with you? You know, right. And what happened and how we've gotten past that? I think we're starting to get past it. Is when companies demonstrate relevancy. In other words, you just tell me one thing about you. If I can demonstrate back to you that I'm going to be changed by that, I'm going to offer up some information or my parts of my service that um, that 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 really you know show that that I'm listening and hearing you. Guess what? I've won the right to do. I've won the right to ask you something else about your you know your 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 in, your your needs and preferences. And I and if I keep doing that over time and I and I continually learn and continually get smarter and smarter about how I deliver my service to you, well that's a competitive advantage because like I said earlier, people don't want to reteach somebody else what they've already taught you if you are demonstrating that you will be changed by the information. And I think that's key because what we're saying is that the, the relevancy part is like the, the first step through the door, isn't it? That that's the first time that you have the opportunity to say, I think you might be in the market for this because of whatever, because you've been listening, because you've been getting closer. And you're right. That's just the first step because personalization comes flows from that because the more you learn and it's deepening. I guess there's there's no metric for it that I can think of, but the deeper that relationship, which is all levels of trust and levels of disclosure and levels of sharing that is the essence of of of, uh, of using this this sort of personal approach is 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 you know we all like to do with people that understand us right and we have to make sure we have an opportunity and not just in the sales transaction not just in the self-serving nature but in terms of the content we produce yeah. if we recognize there's a there's an upswing in us in a particular issue that's out there something mag major like i know brexit say from my perspective <laughs> well i managed to get brexit in the podcast again i think I the box on that i'm going to keep congratulations going. <laughs> thank you it's not hard but with something like that so if you think who's most affected by this which sectors that allows you to if you like personalize or rather specify your content and that can be the beginning of a conversation i think when you develop a personalization strategy it has to start with that how do you make the first contact? Because you can't go straight in deep. That would be weird, kind of creepy, wouldn't it, if you knew everything it about is. someone? 
yeah, you've got to you've got to find that that's that step by step approach, and and that's also part of the strategy with this. You've you've got to find the key to the door, and that might be relevancy, it might be something that's uh, that's affecting a particular industry, but it's the beginning. Yeah, I think Sean, you hit it. Um, there's there's different ways, different strategies depending on your relationship with them. You have to figure out maybe, like you said, what are the trends that are affecting them that help open the door. You know, we're seeing this in the pharmaceutical industry. You may be experiencing this too, something like that. But once you get to know them, ironically, it's not even about them sharing. It's about you being good at managing the information you're collecting. Right. And as we said, you know, setting a system up so we don't keep asking them the same thing. And, you know, we look at oil and gas as an example. The The company has more information than the customer does at times as they're working through. So it's a matter of putting that information back, not a data dump, but rather in a way that the customer then says, oh, I can make a better, faster decision about this. So, um, Tom, you've used this word in the past, entangled. And it sounds like, you know, customers get entangled in a way that they want to be entangled, which is really good. So it, it, it solidifies a relationship with them, hopefully long term. Yeah. And they pay more money. If they have a relationship, um, I think there's another 77% of buyers said that they would pay more <laughs> if it was if it was really uh, something that they needed, of course. So, um, Sean, you said one thing about metrics that I wanted to touch on. Mm. I think that the NPS is a, a surrogate for measuring that relationship. There is it's hard to get leading indicators in this area, but how um, you know how likely would I be to recommend your product or service to one of my friends or colleagues? That puts me on the line, and I'll only do that if I trust you. So maybe the MPS is that metric. I think so. And also, as I was thinking that through, there's also those, in terms of leading indicators, um, we, we can't look at personalization without looking at the, the concept of social selling and social listening and all the other things that are available to us. And I think part of that is also in terms of engagement. You know, What sort of engagement do you get if you post something? What sort of conversations are you either starting or are you participating in you know what is the there's got to be a way of looking at that landscape of saying yeah we're having some good conversations and it's helping us to understand both the customer better and maybe the the broader issue so i mean i'm a long way from a social media expert i would just think that there's some some element there that needs to be included into this mix of leading indicators is like are we are we engaging and, and are we even listening you know <laughs> everything starts with listening right and that's something that maybe we could all do better at Hmm. What'd you say, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, I serve them up and you knock them out of the park. <laughs> kidding. We're here um, all week. <laughs> Tom, we're, any closing thoughts? I think company, there's a lot more that we could unpack about this, but I guess the, the, the last thing I want to say is that companies, B2Bs could really benefit from what we call drip irrigation dialogue plan. And this can, again, be another metric too, where you just plan for what are the kinds of questions that we're going to ask customers when we interact with them that will demonstrate that, you know, give us an opportunity to demonstrate that initial relevancy, right? And, and, and open the door to increasing personalization, but not stopping there and saying, you know, what are four or five, six other pieces of information that over time that we are going to both collect and then change something about the way we offer up information or our products and services so that we can demonstrate this learning over time and we can create this, what we call barrier to exit, this idea that the customers taught us so much they don't want to teach our competitors. 
Great. And Sean, closing thoughts? Um, I think we've summed it up pretty well. You know, it, it's it's about the, the, it, nothing's changed in many ways, but everything's changed. It, nothing's changed that businesses that listen, understand, and can and are able to personalize their offer to some extent to their customers will always do better than those that can't. What's changed is is everyone has a shot at doing that now. You don't need to have you know the the the, the top individual salespeople you can institutionalize it more to make it part of your business um strategy and i think that's the the, the big difference it, it, it's it's the same as it ever was it's just it's just so much more accessible and usable now that's great so uh we we hope that you've had at least one takeaway from this podcast if you want to give us new topics or feedback um, please go to uh, our site theaccidentalmarketer.com and you can click on the podcast button. There's other stuff there as well. Or you can um, go to the podcast page, um, iTunes. We have all of our podcasts there. So thank you very much and the best to you.